0: that you are the God who speaks to us, who listens to us, that you welcome us into your presence, that you, that you make your name known to us, that we can actually speak your name. And so thank you for that gift that we have and pray that this time that we spend here would be time spent with you, listening to your voice and, and receiving your love and your grace in our life as we recognize who we are in your presence. That we are broken, But it is you who, uh, you accept us, and you welcome us, and you make us whole again. And through this time, Lord, we pray that uh, that each one of us would would come to know what it means, the depth of what it means to be sent by you, to be a person who is uh, bold enough to step out and to welcome other people into this thing called uncommon fellowship. And pray this in Jesus' holy name. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Please have a seat. My rock stars, my standing, worshiping rock stars, I love you people. You rock in all my sitting sitting worshiping rock stars i love you too guys you are awesome just you know it's all all y'all don't don't make don't make distinctions it's not me welcome graduates are there some graduates who uh who uh, if there's a graduate who didn't stand up here can you raise your hand and point to the person uh next to you that didn't come up here to graduate there is one i saw some anybody else anybody else you're not are outed now you were okay this is nope we're good we got them all thanks blake we got we to gotta increase the graduation rate here in this town, right? Like, like the rest of you, it's okay, guys. And I want to welcome all the rest of you. I want you to feel like this is your special day today too. That even as uh, this message is a message that was put on my heart, and I thought this is a great message for a graduate, uh, that I also pray that it would, it would speak to your heart as you think about that adventure that lays in front of you, that's out there in front of your life. Now, that we've, we've begun this series last week called Uncommon Fellowship, and it's about the church. You know, in the early days of the church, they didn't really call it the church. It was defined by the things they did, by who they were, the way that they shared life with one another, they cared for each other, this uncommon fellowship that they had. And the word fellowship in, in Greek is the word koinonia. Can you say that with me? Koinonia. And it means this. It means a deep river of friendship together with a common direction. It really means we're going to stick together, doesn't it? It's a beautiful image. And today, later, I will be attending and also participating in this worship service that we're having this evening at Flamson Middle School. And it's a worship service for all the graduates of Paso. And it's called Baccalaureate. And a lot of other churches participate in it. I love the way that everybody comes together. And I don't know about you, but I think that as much as graduations are really exciting, happy times, don't you think they're kind of sad too? Because you see these people, they're not? Okay, well, you haven't been to a lot of them. That's because they're really sad. There's crying, there's tears. There's this thing where, where their friendships that have been developed over a long time are suddenly separated. There's people that you've grown up with, that you've spent difficult times with, good times with, and then suddenly you're saying goodbye to them after you've received your diploma. And you'll see them intermittently throughout your life, but a lot, most of them you won't ever see again because they're going to be going in different directions. But I love this scripture that Jesus, uh, Jesus said something to his disciples when they were leaving their brothers, their sisters, their best friends, and also their, their fields. <laughs> Does that sound like a hard thing to do, to leave a field? what they were talking about is leaving that home, leaving that place of security for the open fields, for the new, the the land of possibility. Jesus said these words to his disciples. He said, anyone, oh, actually they don't have it in the, I messed up and didn't put it in there for the scripture. So this is it. And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or fields for my sake will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. So, graduates, as you are thinking about the future, as much as you feel like you're leaving the people behind that you've become so close to, as you've, you're walking away from those people that have become your family, just know that God has actually more relationship, more more abundance in your future than he does in your past, even though you feel like you may be walking away from the depth of relationship that you have there. Now, today's story is a story about Peter. Now, we've encountered Peter a little bit since I've been here preaching the past four months. Peter is this guy who, when he first encountered Jesus, Jesus stepped into Peter's boat because so many people had gathered around Jesus that they were going to push him into the sea. Like he, he was preaching, but he was going to get pushed into the sea. So Jesus had this idea. He'd preach from a boat, and then they couldn't get to him. There's a nice little little mosh pit there, a separation between him and the crowd. And then after he preached the sermon, first time Peter's ever hearing Jesus's voice, Jesus turns around to Peter and says, it's time to go fishing. Put out your nets. And Peter says, you know what? No. You're gonna hear Peter say this a lot. He says, no. Actually, if you say so, I will, but there's no fish. Then Peter lets down his net and the nets get more filled than they've ever been and he lifts up all these fish and there's so many fish that the boats, the two boats that come out are sinking. And at that moment, Peter then, he kneels down, which is not what I would do in a boat full of flopping, disgusting, slimy fish. I wouldn't kneel down in it. I would want to be as far away from it as possible. But he kneels down in this nastiness and he says, get away from me, Lord. Go away from me, Jesus. Go away from me. For I am a sinful man. I'm a broken human being. You know, uh, yesterday I was cleaning up the garage and one of these mason jars that was filled with stones and a little candle on the inside broke and shattered all over the floor. And my five-year-old daughter, she said this honestly to me. She's not, she, I don't think she understands sarcasm yet. If, she, if so, touche, good for her. But she said, she said, an adult broke something? How is that even possible? <laughs> Really? She was, she was so honest. You know, the best thing about scriptures that shows us how broken the disciples were, that they were really messed up human beings. And, and, and Peter goes on in his ministry. He does, Jesus says to Peter, Hey, you know what? After that moment, he says, No, you know what? You want me to go away from you, but actually, I'm going to ask you to come really close to me. And you're going to be my disciple, you're going to be my apprentice. I'm going to enroll you in the University of Jesus. Here's your, your acceptance letter. And Peter accepts the invitation and he follows Jesus, but you'll find that Peter is always saying no to Jesus. Jesus says, I am going to die on a cross so that you may have full life. And Peter says, no, I'm not going to have it that way. And Jesus turns to Peter and he says, get behind me, Satan. Major course correction in Peter's life. And then again, Jesus goes later in, in another story, he goes up to Peter to wash his feet and Peter, can you guess what he says? Yep, he does. He says, no, you cannot wash my feet. You are, you are the Messiah. You are Jesus. And Jesus says, if you don't let me wash your feet, then you can have no part of me. This is the way it must be done. And then Peter again, he, Jesus is at the last supper, the night before Jesus is crucified. And, and Jesus says to all the disciples, he says, every one of you is going to betray me. And can you guess what Peter said? That's right. He said, no, not me, Jesus. And Jesus actually said, actually, you're right. You're not just going to be- betray me once. You're going to be- betray me three times before the rooster crows tomorrow. And then Jesus dies on the cross, is resurrected, and then he appears to Peter and finds Peter fishing out on, an, on, a, he finds Peter fishing out on the ocean with his disciples, not what Jesus told him to do. He told him to, to not be a fisher of fish, but to be a fisher of people. And Jesus meets with Peter and he says, Peter, do you love me? And he does say yes this time, by the way. But Jesus says, major course correction, then you need to feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Then you need to feed my lambs. Three times. Peter always seems to need to hear things three times. Well, so Jesus then meets all of his disciples out on this hill, the resurrected Jesus. He does have holes in his hands and, and he's still eating meals with them but he meets them out on this hill and he says these are my last words to you go and make disciples of all nations nations and baptize them in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy spirit and teach them to obey everything that i have taught you teach them to obey all the commands and the commands of jesus were to love god with all your heart mind soul and strength and to love your neighbor as yourself to love everybody and so then Jesus departed from them. He ascended into heaven and they didn't have Jesus with them anymore. So they hung around for 10 days waiting for Jesus. And waiting for something to happen. And then the Holy Spirit blew into this room where they were hanging out. Uh, hundreds of them were just hanging out in this room and filled their hearts and minds with the power of God. And they started to, to preach, to share the good news, just love of Jesus with all these people from all these nations. Peter preached this amazing knockout sermon. And people, 3,000 people were baptized that day. And then the the scripture tells us that the the early church had this distinctive quality to it. If you look in Acts chapter 4, you'll find this amazing description of the of the early church. It is so beautiful. It says this. Now the whole this is what they described the church to be. Unbelievable. The whole group of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. And no one claimed private ownership over any possessions. Everything they owned was held in common. The other day I was borrowing someone from this church. I was borrowing their, their power tools. I said, no, just, just ask me. It's my, my power tools or your power tools. With great power, the apostles gave their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them. For as many as owned lands or houses sold them and bought, brought the proceeds of what was sold. And I think, it, I think they missed the part where the cookie potluck took place every Sunday after worship and people just hung out and talked to each other because they knew that was, that was part of worship, right? You see, if you looked at the early church, you'd say, boy, the early church is perfect. I wish I was like the early church. They're so great. Let's look just like the early church. But we know from scripture that as much as the early church was good, they were also totally messed up. And that's our story today. We're going to look at the story of Peter when he's, he's this church has grown like gangbusters and now Peter is off in this town called Joppa and Peter's staying at the house of this guy named Simon who's a tanner. He just, I, I guess he's like, he's probably like a, um, what's the people that stuff animals? Uh, does anyone know that name in here? I was going to ask the graduate, what's the name of a person who stuffs animals? No, <laughs> taxidermist. Thank you. So he's hanging out, probably a creepy place to hang out, right? In a taxidermist house by the ocean. And everybody's like, no, this is Paso. We think that's the coolest place to hang out. Anyway, AJ Spurs, baby. You know, so is that the one with all the heads on? No, it's not. It's what is it? That's in Templeton. That's in Templeton. Sorry about that. You're like, this is Paso. That's Templeton. Anyway, I've seen taxidermy around here somewhere. I don't know where it is, but. So Peter is Peter is in this house and he, he probably needs to get away from all of the animal heads or something. So he goes up on the roof to pray. And he spends his time up there praying on the roof. And in this prayer, he has this vision of this sheet coming down from heaven. In, in a way, I want you to imagine this table coming down from heaven just like that. And on the table, on the sheet, there were these animals of all kinds and there were snakes and there were reptiles and there were all kinds of things that that could be eaten, but Peter knew should not be eaten because according to his traditions, according to his ways, that was unlawful. You could get in a lot of trouble for that. And this voice from heaven, the voice of the Lord says to Peter, it says, Get up, kill, and eat. And what do you think Peter said? That's right. He said, no, I won't do it. And then the voice from heaven, how many times do you think it had to tell Peter? Yeah, you guessed it right again. He had to tell Peter three times. He said, do not call anything unclean that God has made clean. Do not call anything profane that God has made clean. And then as soon as Peter hears this message, he's really confused and he's, he's, he's praying and praying and he hears this voice from outside just at the front gate. And it's a voice of someone is saying, is, is there someone named Peter staying here? <laughs> Just at that moment. And he hears God's voice saying, the person at the gate has been sent by me to take you to another place. And you have to go with them. Now, it turns out exactly 21 hours earlier, there was a guy named Cornelius who had a, in his prayer, a voice from God that said, you need to send your, you need to send three of your men, some of your men, to go and get this man named Peter from this town in Joppa. The timeline is unbelievable. Exactly 20, 30, 30 miles away. It took him exactly that amount of time to arrive. Just so at the very moment when Peter is hearing this message from God, seconds later, you get this voice at the gate of someone that says, hey, by the way, is there a guy named Peter who lives here? Peter welcomes them in, and then Two, a day later, a couple days later, he goes off with them and he goes to visit Cornelius' house. And as he gets into Cornelius' house, Cornelius is this Gentile, he's not Jewish. So he would have been fine eating snakes. He would have been fine eating pork. He would have been fine eating all of those things that Jewish people would not have eaten. And Cornelius welcomes Peter into his house and Peter walks inside the house and it's, he's, Peter is surrounded by people and by cute babies. Peter is surrounded by everybody in the house. And the first thing that Peter says is not necessarily the thing that I would have said if I had walked in there. He says this You yourselves know that it is unlawful for a Jew to associate with or to visit a Gentile. Now, first of all, Peter's wrong. He says it's unlawful, but it's actually unlawful according to Jewish custom, not according to the Bible. Actually, the Bible says that you should welcome strangers, you should welcome people from different nations into your house, and you should actually eat with them and spend time with them. But somehow along the way, the human beings, the broken human beings had attached all of these other rules and regulations that were just not truth. They were not solid foundational truth. They were basically tradition. And they had taken this beautiful thing that God had created called uncommon fellowship, this beautiful, beautiful partaking of the feast, and they had turned it into something really, really dark and depraved. See, Peter goes on to say, he says, you yourselves know that it is unlawful for a Jew to associate with or visit a Gentile. Now he's, he's saying what he He knows they have all accepted to be true. What even he has accepted and they have accepted that you can't even have dinner with each other. You can't even hang out with each other. And he says, but God has shown me that I should not call anyone profane, not just food profane, but another human being profane or unclean. And then Peter says, I truly understand that God shows no partiality. But in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. Peter's starting to understand the gospel. And he goes on to say these words, All the prophets testify about Jesus that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. And while Peter was still speaking, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astounded that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on Gentiles, you know? They couldn't believe that, that this gift from God, this uncommon fellowship was something that was for everybody. It was beyond their comprehension. And then it says, For they heard them speaking, the Gentiles speaking in tongues and extolling God. And then Peter said, Can anyone withhold the waters of baptism, the water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? So he ordered them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And then they invited him to stay for several days. Isn't that beautiful? That invitation. For several days, they hung out and they ate and they broke bread together. And there was this uncommon fellowship that had been created in the community. Absolutely beautiful. Now, a lot of people would like to say that this story is about the conversion or transformation of Cornelius. Like what a transformation in the church. Cornelius has has had his heart changed. But actually, if you look at Cornelius, he's a really awesome guy. He is so generous and he's so beautiful. Actually, not much has changed in Cornelius' life. He's come to know the name of Jesus like we were singing earlier. He's come to be able to say Jesus. He's been able to articulate that God that he's followed and believed in. But actually, the real conversion is is the conversion in Peter. The real conversion is in his leadership of the church that Jesus put him in charge of. The conversion is in the church that had grown into this corrupted, ugly version of what Jesus had originally intended, not to be, see, they had turned uncommon fellowship into this thing that was exclusive, that kept people out, and that people felt they were on the outside of, and actually Jesus was, had always intended, remember what Jesus told his disciples to do? The great commission is to go, therefore, into all the nations, not just some nations, and to, baptize, and to make disciples of all, all nations and to baptize them in the name of the Son, Father, Son, and of the Holy Spirit and to teach them to obey all of Jesus' commands. Now, there's some really important words there. The first one is the very first word. And what word is that? That was the word go. Go. When you feel like you're being sent, you're actually going away from other people. You're actually following Jesus' commands. Our uncommon fellowship is not something that's about staying. It's something about going. And the other word is the word disciple, which actually means sent one. It's written into the whole entire commandment, the commission of Jesus, that everything we do should be about taking this uncommon fellowship, this thing that is so good about saying, you know what, there are enough cookies for everybody. We're not going to run out of cookies. There's going to be more and more and more. And to recognize that there's no one that's left out of the love or the or the fellowship of the community of this church. That it's something that's expansive, not not small and myopic. It's big. Did you hear the joke about the uh, guy? I know you didn't hear the joke. That's why I'm telling it to you. But anyway, <laughs> did you hear the joke about the guy who was on a subway? He, he was drunk. He came off of a big party. He had he had um, lipstick marks on his cheek and all over his collar. And he sat right down next to a Catholic priest. And he started to read the newspaper. And he turned to the Catholic priest after, after one stop on the subway, and he said, Father, um, what is it that causes arthritis? And the priest said, well, it's loose living with, with women, and uh, it's also lots of drinking and, and not taking care of your body and uh, just squandering away your life. And then the guy went back to reading his newspaper again. And a few minutes later, he said, that is the weirdest thing. And the the priest said, what? And the guy said, well, it says here that the Pope has arthritis. (laughs) (laughs) Hmm. (laughs) Sometimes we we mess things up more than we try to help, right? (laughs) But there is a good lesson in there. We have to speak truth all the time. We have to be people who are all about the truth, seeking the truth. And as graduates, what else are you going to do when you go to Cuesta, when you go to these colleges, when you go to Cal Poly? What else are you going there but to seek out the truth? One of the things that happens when you go off in the world and you go away from your mothers and your parents and your brothers and sisters and away from your closed-in fields into the open fields of the world, one of the things that you do is you discover that some of the things that you were taught when you were grown up are not absolute truth, that actually they're cultural myths. And then you also discover what really is true. We have Caitlin Prince who is going off on a mission this week to Uganda. She's 20 years old. Will you pray for her this week? For a month, she'll be in Uganda. But she's going to discover something when she goes to the African village and she spends time there for a month. She's going to really start to see what it is that we have in common with people, what it is that God has placed in our lives that unites and bonds us. She'll discover something beautiful about uncommon fellowship, the thing that Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit creates in us. I love that everyone who leaves mother and brother and fathers and sisters will actually receive ten times that amount. Isn't it interesting that Jesus tells the story about the prodigal son who goes off thinking, you know, this is the right way to go, breaking his father's heart, breaking his family's heart, breaking everybody's heart on the way. And then actually the father, the beautiful thing is the father lets the son go. Isn't that beautiful? The father says, okay, go on that journey. Go on that adventure. Not knowing what would happen. And, and through the course of the journey, the broken son ends up repenting, realizing that he had realizing what was true and what was not true. And, and when he comes back home, the father runs to the son and embraces the son, wraps his arms around the son. And the son comes into the feast and they celebrate together. And in a strange way, the father has this depth of friendship that's like a deep river with his son a deep connection that wouldn't have existed had there not been that beautiful journey of letting go of walking away of releasing ourselves see adventures journeys allow us to to allow us to have the truth in our life the truth the real truth not this thing that we debate about <laughs> real truth becomes refined and distilled, becomes beautiful, until we find ourselves, well, face-to-face with Jesus and the truth of who Jesus is, which is the greatest gift. And through that, we start bringing cookies to church. Okay, I'm trying. (laughs) Will you guys stand as we pray? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for, you, for what you've given us in this uncommon fellowship. We do pray that, that the people that we stand next to wouldn't just be acquaintances, but they would be brothers and sisters. That over time you would grow us in this relationship and that, that we would have no hesitation but to refer to it as a deep river of friendship. And Lord, we thank you that you stand before us. You are at the center of our community and you give us that common direction, that center to our life. And we pray that our community would never be exclusive. There would never be any prejudice or shutting out of another person or race or, or creed or any human being that no one would feel left out because of what is happening here. But instead, we would be convicted to go and share your good news with every person. To welcome them in. And so God, we thank you for what you've done here. We thank you for the graduates. We pray for that worship service later today that they would just be filled up and overflowing as they step out on this incredible journey. We pray for Caitlin Prince as she's going off to Uganda this week. And we pray, Lord, for the many silent missionaries in our midst that are being commissioned here today that are hearing this whisper in their life to do something. And, and Lord, we thank you that there are people out there just like Peter. We can hear Peter's voice saying no, which we say so often, Lord. We pray, Lord, that we would be the people that start to say yes to you and understand that your ways are better than our ways. And your ways are the truth. And that we, by following you, we are rooting ourselves in a firm foundation. So Lord... Lift us up in this place. Fill us with your Holy Spirit as we continue to praise and worship you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.